0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Basil Wilbur. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. Today, uh, Joey and I um, came to church early, and uh, I had had written a song, and um, we put it together today. So this is our shot at it, but we basically want to sing this song to you because we really feel like that this is what I'm trying to say tonight. So if what they taught already in the first song service, which was exactly what I'm preaching on, and what this song says And then I'm going to try to teach my notes. But I'm just hoping somebody gets it. And um, so I'm just going to read you this song that we wrote. and, And then he's going to sing it. But basically it says, it's Revival on Sawyer Road. And it says, as he backed out of the drive, the broken dreams in his life, beer cans under the seat, no winning, just defeat listening to the sad old song so depressing what went wrong on once on top and had everything to win but he threw it all away for sin it's time for revival it's time to live and to be alive the road aside his church revival on Sawyer Road and then it goes to losing losing lost nowhere to go pain and suffering nothing to show heavy with a heavy load We turned on to Sawyer Road. He started crying and the car shut down. Church is where he was found. Lost, dazed, and confused. Feeling like he's been used. And then it's be of good courage. We're taking back what he stole. That was the first song if you've seen that. And um, be strong and don't back down. Get back on Sawyer Road. And folks... So many people have come here and um they they have left their future behind when they walked away. Something that God had given them and they maybe was birthed here on Sawyer Road. And I just really believe that in this next year there's gonna be several people coming to Sawyer Road to find the Lord. And um they'd be looking around in their car and and as you can see as you know, I mean, when the kids were small, we looked around our car, there was french fries in the seats, and I mean you know stuff all over and uh, as they get older, now of course, we haven't gotten them out of here yet, but eventually Jeanette and I figure there's just gonna be gloves in the back seat, you know, like some people's cars I get into I'm like, man, this is so awesome smells good, and there's just a set of gloves in the back seat, like they were prepared there and I thought, what would life be like if it actually looked like this? But I remember um, when I was younger and uh, I, when I was backslidden and uh, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old, there's no reason why I should have ever been in a bar. And there's no reason why I should have ever did the things I did. Because I knew better and I knew a God that loved me. But I want to encourage somebody tonight that I wish to God I could have been like my kids and and never seen some of that stuff and hope to God they never try it. But then there's others that are like me that did give up for a time the inheritance that God had given them and went out there and, you know, had uh, skull cans laying around my car and and beer bottles rolling back and forth. And it was easy for me to write this song because that pictures in my, my mind of all the things that used to be in my car that I thought, you know what, today's a different day. And um, things in the places my car used to take me. But now when I turn on the Sawyer Road and I pull into the church, man, am I glad. And when I come here and I find my kids here, I think they're always here, but they're here, you know, worshiping God or doing something in the youth room, um, messing up something, just glad they know how to drive to a place, amen. So just bear with us, and I, and I forgive you, but I, I mean forgive me, I'm starting to talk like Joey now. Um, <laughs> hey now. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> they, they say never use this as a bully pulpit, but I noticed that every time um, Joey comes home, I want to get him to sing a song. So I'm sorry, Pastor, <laughs> but uh. He's the only one that will sing exactly what I want him to sing. So <laughs> so go ahead and try to sing this song. Now, he just did this today. So, um, But just worship and maybe just listen to the music. And I'm hoping that his ministry or awakening or the hyphen, we're going to win some to the revival on Sawyer Road we're going to have this year. Amen? Amen.
1: To feel. Listen to that sad old song, so depressed what went wrong.
0: think we need to take back what the enemy has stole. And, um, you know, if somebody borrows something and you don't bring it back, that's stealing. So uh, I don't think he's borrowed some things from the church here. He's not planning on bringing back. And uh, I'd like to go find them. And um, I hope that we have revival this year that, you know, we bring back things that he didn't have the right to borrow. And, um, you know, my dad... uh, he was a steam fitter, a steam fitter welder, and he, the, uh, all of his tools had a W on them. And um, it worked really good because there's Basil Wilbur, Rick Wilbur, Dave Wilbur. So when he went looking for his tools, we had W all over our tools. He's like, isn't that my wrench? It's got W on it. I'm like, yeah, for Basil Wilbur. And, um, some of the things I think I borrowed from my dad, I don't think I've given them back yet. And, um, maybe I need to call him this week and just say, hey, could you just clear the deal for me? Just say, if you borrowed it, it's yours. Because some of the things I don't think I'm ever planning on bringing back. And, um, God, uh, today, uh, you know, I just want to teach this story or lesson on, uh, who's your daddy? Who is your daddy? And, um... It, you know, as your daddy does, he have an inheritance, and an inheritance is something that a person comes into possession and of because of his relationship with another. It's not something earned, but it's a gift. An inheritance is not something earned, but it's a gift. You know, it's not like that. You took and built up a stock, and you have a right to something. An inheritance is something that's given. Now. You may have heard me told this story before, and I, I always laugh at it, but, you know, little kids always ask people when they're going to die, once they say they're going to give them something. They always say, you know, well, how long do you think you're going to be around? And, uh, because they were wondering about that thing, you said you were going to leave them, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm part of that because my father-in-law, he was, and he still is alive, and he's just a great man, and, um... I don't know if I've ever met anybody like him as far as servant attitude. He worked for the church his whole life, and I just, man, I've never heard anybody ever say, in town, out of town, anywhere, ever say a bad word about Jeanette's dad. Anywhere you go in town, he was always respected and lifted up in the community, and what a great man. Well, he had won an award. Now, he had won an award, and my mom had won an award, Um. He had won an award from uh, the governor. The senator sent him a big plaque for his years of service. And um, so I put my name behind it so that when they started getting rid of everything, I would get it. And sure enough, her mom, when uh, they started selling things in the house, her mom gave me that so I have it hanging in my house. Well, I'd also gotten something from my mom. My mom had... uh, she had gotten an award from the governor of Michigan for, um, one year of not speeding. And, uh, he had sent that to her and he said, Janice, we just wanted to give you this as an encouragement that you went one year without getting a speeding ticket. And, um, I always tease my mom about that, but it's the truth. She got that. That's Michigan must've been doing some kind of encouragement year, but, um, Everybody, you know, sometimes we get certificates for things, and some of them we deserve, and some of them we don't, but um, it takes a lot to be a dad. I know that right off the bat. It does take a lot to be a dad, Uh, because you want to give them things that uh, maybe they shouldn't have at times, and you want to say things about them, you know, for the good or bad. Maybe at times you shouldn't say it. I don't know. I never know anymore as I get older when I'm embarrassing them or when I'm lifting them up. I just try to do my best being a dad is difficult because you want to see the very best thing happen for your kids but i figured that i'm one-sided because i've only had one dad and i've only been a dad so i thought i think that maybe you know i'm i'm uh, prejudiced about my own beliefs so i kind of put it out there and i asked some friends and one of my friends said this we have too much at stake to lose our inheritance he said that's what a real dad would say we have too much at stake to lose our inheritance and my my aunt said this when we know who our real father is we shouldn't have a problem and one of my other friends said some have bad images of a father or a dad And I could go on and on and on, but basically that was what my friends had said. They all had their picture of what a dad is. Now to me, I think of a dad as somebody that's in the other room is going to protect me at night. I can sleep peaceful at night because I know that dad's home. I think that if I do something wrong, there's dad in the house and he'll let me know. I think that if I'm scared or anything like that, I would always run to my dad. And um, you know, I just think that's the way it is. Because I had a good dad I don't know what it would be like to have a bad dad Some people haven't been blessed like me And maybe I'm preaching to both sides tonight But I really would like you to know If you had a bad dad Let me tell you what We we got a father that's the greatest father of all Amen And um, he's a great dad Now I know it's not Father's Day But I preach what he gave me I think that if you're looking for an inheritance, you'll find one here. It says in Joshua 1 and 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for this cause shall this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Now, I have this uh, dude up there. Can anybody tell me who that guy is? Come on, anybody? It's definitely not George Washington, although he looks a little bit like it. That is my great, great, great grandfather. (laughs) He's a sharp looking dude. I kind of like to have a suit like that. I don't know about my hair being like that, but I'm kind of looking at him and he's looking at me and I'm thinking that I'm doing okay. But this guy's name is Alexander Robinson and he was a half breed, meaning that he was half Indian and... And his dad was a Scottish uh, fur trader. And his mom was a full-blood uh, Ottawa Indian. And um, this guy, he was raised in Mackinac City, or Mackinac Island. And um, he was chief of the Potawatomi, the Ottawa, and the Ojibwe. And uh, quite a guy. Um, more, more Potawatomi because of the family he married. He married uh, into that. His wife was a, a full-blood uh, Potawatomi. But not to get into all the family history. Let me just explain to you a little bit about this guy. And the reason why he's important in my life is because at that time, there was no Chicago. And this guy had saved a family and the Fort Dearborn Massacre, you can look it up, he saved uh, John Kinsey, and I believe the other guy's name was Harold or whatever, and um, he saved them and and took them to safety. So the President of the United States, at that time, in 1833, gave him a treaty that he owned 1,200 acres in Chicago, which at that time was just land. And... um, So that 1,200 acres happens to be attached to the O'Hare Airport and goes along the river. It's called Robinson's Woods. You can go there. I've gone there. There's deer and all. It's just nowhere in Chicago could you go where you can see this. It's all country. And um, nothing's on it at all besides his tombstone and his wives and stuff like that. But, um, But anyways, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because In 1991, a lady called me and she said, are you Basil Wilbur? And I said, "Uh, who are you? (laughs) And she said, I am your family and we're looking for all the family because there's an inheritance. And I thought, boy, I don't know anybody at all. I mean, I got every bit of my inheritance from my dad already, didn't I, Jeanette? I I got his 12-gauge shotgun and I got some tools. and, And I got what he taught me as a welder and as a man. That's it. Got my inheritance from a dad. And uh, I don't know anybody else that's given me one. You, you could sure well leave me one if you'd like. But <laughs> this guy was given 1,200 acres of land. And in 1950, the last uh, relative that was living on the land was drunk or something. And um, the house burnt down. And they didn't pay their taxes or whatever. I don't know. But anyways, they lost the land. So... My family right now is on a 11-year, 12-year, 13-year quest. They think they're close. I think they got 230 acres of it. Or 230, yeah, acres of it. And um, so uh, they're trying to figure out right now, uh, you know, what to do with it, what the laws are, what this or that is. Some of that land is worth, as you know, millions an acre. So... I told God in 1991, if I get an inheritance from my great-great-great-grandfather, I'll give you 50%. I think it's a pretty good deal. So uh, we will be blessed if this all works out, both you and I. Um, the last time I was at any of the family get-togethers where we, were at, we have meetings and you go and they talk about this, One of the young men stood up and was yelling at one of the older ladies. And uh, I just got up and said, man, let me know when you get it. I can't take this stuff. I've never seen people go after anything like this in my life. There's something wrong with you folks. But hey, you got my address. When we win, I'm in. I'll see ya. It kind of put it behind me because I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't know what's going to happen. They call me every once in a while and say, well, we're just about there. So, I don't know. Um, one thing I do know that is if I'm not here, it goes to my kids. So, you know, and they're kids. So, I don't know. But the reason why I'm bringing this up tonight is because this man that none of you know is responsible for me being here. And when he decided that night to take the canoe and go the one way down the river and not the other way down the river, I'm here. He made a choice to take those families this way or to where the other 500 Braves were that wanted to kill him because they figured he was a Benedict Arnold. Even though he was the chief, he took the people and took off. So the reason why I'm bringing this up to you guys tonight is because everything we do matters. Do you realize what your ancestors had to do just for you to be here? (laughs) I mean, the things that happened just so you're here, the thing that happened just so you were taught a Bible study, just so you bumped into that person or you met this person, the, the inheritance that the person give you when they told you who Jesus Christ was, the opportunity. You may have went this way, but because you went that way, you have a dad that's far more in charge of anything that's on this earth but for all eternity. And we have an inheritance that we'll be together for eternity with our Father because somebody taught us and showed us and maybe called us up, like I got a phone call that one day. Do you know who Alexander Robinson is? Nope. Well, he got an inheritance? Well, I'd like to meet him. And it really is, folks, all about what will they do for me the reason why um, maybe we love the Lord the way He is is because of all the things He does for us. And sometimes people say, well, you're very selfish. Well, I don't know. I would rather live for this dad than the other dad because the dad of this world, this is, you know, thus we can say that we are inheriting the kingdom in Matthew 24. Since sin will not and cannot enter into heaven, those who live lives of sin will not be part of the inheritance. The unrighteousness will not inherit, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But there is an inheritance for those who overcome in Revelations 21. So that's who I'm talking to tonight. Tonight, everybody can make a choice of what dad you want. Do you want the dad of this world? Or do you want the dad that shows up on Sawyer Road? And we come to his house, come to visit him. And he does go home with us, thank God. But the evil father of lies would like you to spend your inheritance here on this earth. Remember the prodigal son? Just give me my inheritance. And then he took it and he went and did righteous. I always thought it was righteous living when I was a kid, but it wasn't. It was the other kind of living. It was naughty living, not righteous living. So in case I got a speech impediment, it was naughty living. I can't say that word, but... It starts with an R. Anyways, he took his inheritance and he spent it. Then he went back to his father, but he had spent his inheritance. I don't want to spend what God has given me on this earth. I want to take it to the other side. Meaning that sometimes we're going to have to feel like that we're not getting the fair shake of the deal. You know why? Because this side is not our deal. It's the other side. Sometimes we're going to go home and we're going to say, like uh, Brother Zenobia talked about in Men's Breakfast, uh, we we, uh, feel inconvenienced. There's times when we're going to be inconvenienced. Why? Because it's not about our inheritance on this side. It's not about our inheritance on the other side. None of us know how long that we have here. This guy right here, who's your daddy, lived 110 years old. I got some good stock in me. I don't think I got a granddad that goes all the way back to him that didn't live to be in his 90s. I I'm planning plan on being here a while if the Lord tarries. Um, because I've got, I've got good family. And uh, when we think about the family of God, um, what do you want to divide? It says in James 1 and 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. One day... The Lord tries to help you pick up your life so that you can have a life here, and then you dump it for a couple months. And then you pick it back up and you dump it. What kind of life are you really wanting to live? You know, Brother Turner told me one time, he said, Basil, if you'll live for God hard, it'll be easy to live for God. I'm like, what? That is the truth. Once I went to work and told everybody that I was a Christian, and I, was, I came clean on it, that I actually had to be one there, it was easy. Because then I didn't have to do anything anymore. It wasn't expected of me to be that kind of anymore. Now I'm this guy. So once I let him know who my dad was, everything changed. It was very easier for me to live. Nobody asked me even foolish things anymore. Like, do you want to go to the bar after work? They didn't ask me that anymore. They knew who my dad was. I'm like, I mean, it took a while for me to say, are you crazy? But, but once you figure out who you live for, it's easy to live for God. You know, you automatically know what you're going to do on Sunday. You automatically know what you're going to do on Wednesday. I'm going to my dad's house. It's easy to live for God. And then those things, uh, once your mind is right, see, folks, it's all about our mind. Once your mind is right and you know that you belong to him and he's your father, you won't have those issues no more. And let me be assured to you, I'm only 46 years old, but I'll tell you what, it goes by quick. Quick. And um, even if I live to be 90, man, I'm only half, halfway through my life. I'm feeling really good right now. <laughs> Anybody up for basketball after service? No, I'm just kidding. But there was these three little girls. One said, my father is a doctor, which pastor said this before, and he's practicing medicine. Another said, my dad's an attorney, and he's practicing law. And a third said, my dad's a Christian, but he doesn't practice it anymore. Man, I hope nobody ever says that about us. My dad's a Christian, but he doesn't practice it anymore. See, God doesn't need to practice because we know, as Pastor said, he, he's the great physician. And all the rest of these people are practicing. But it's a constant practice. Remember, uh, John will remember this. Remember, um, um, I just lost his name, but he said, practice. Yeah, Alan Iverson. Practice. Who practices? I think it's the last I heard of him. Because, I mean, superstars, when they quit practicing, they're done. Practice. Who needs practice? We need practice. They say, practice? Why do we need to practice before service? Isn't this just worshiping the Lord? Seriously? That's the first time I would want to run to practice. Let me practice so I'm prepared so when the people get here, we can worship. Talk about practice. We need practice. Amen? And, uh, you know, practice. I'm always practicing on Je- Jeanette. I tell her, I say, I preached to her all day long and then, <clears throat> then I want to know how I did. And um, I can usually tell if I'm preaching at her, did not do too well. If I'm preaching with her, we're okay. Um, but we need to practice. Remember they say, practice what you because there's people watching you. And, you know, I think about my dad, and my dad, uh, he, for all the things that my dad does wrong, one thing I know about my dad is what you see is what you get. You know, he just, he's just that way. He doesn't hide. He never has. I've never seen him hide anything, really. I, don't, I mean, sometimes he embarrasses me because he, you know, he, he just, he is who he is. But one thing I know for sure is he is who he is. That's my dad. And if you see my dad, you'll know he is who he is. My dad looks just like this guy, by the way, doesn't he, Jeanette? I don't think he looks as good as that guy. And That guy is 110 years old. But he looks like that guy. And, uh, but having a, having a good dad, so um, it's a practice. And, and on this earth, um, h- how do you get to know your dad? How would you get to know your dad? You have to spend time with your dad. See, the reason why most kids, I think, I, again, I'm not really in the position to talk about bad dads, but from what I've seen in the Bible studies I've taught and the places I've been, usually when I see a bad dad, it's somebody that doesn't pay attention or time to the, to the child. It's kind of neglects them. and um, So it's real important to have time back and forth to get to know your dad and for him to get to know you. Now, the thing about Jesus is he wants to spend time with us. We are his inheritance. He worked hard so that we could be with him forever. And he's our inheritance, so then we get to need to get to know. Some people will say, well, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven because, man, I just cannot take living for him anymore here. Well, let me tell you what. You're not going to be happy in heaven because if you're not happy with living for him here, you need to get a checkup from the neck up. It's not going to get any different. He's God. You know, and when you think about him, you know, um, does, does joy and happiness and all those thoughts come to your mind? If they don't, now I said that in jest, kind of like get a checkup from the neck up, but seriously, the reason why, I um, can't think of his name that did that, but um, he just died not too long ago. Real good guy. Oh, Zig Ziglar, he's the one who came up with that. So if anybody else said they had it, they are telling you a story. But what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is if God's mean and your dad, you think of dad as somebody that's going to whip you and somebody that's going to punish you and somebody that's not with you and he's against you, the, the dad of this world is lying to you because your dad is not like that. The father that I know that lives up in heaven and loves me is not like that. He's like my earthly dad. He loves me. We get together, we go fishing, and and we spend time together, and we enjoy each other. He's like that. That's how I feel about about my heavenly father the same way. And so I'm just trying to tell you that if you don't have that feeling, you need to search some of these scriptures because these are some of the ones that come to my mind. A father is a male parent, regardless of what they say nowadays. <laughs> For the while, we have it. Webster, thank the Lord somebody showed up and put something in paper at a time. We'd really be confused. But a father is really a male parent, okay? And in our situation, he's God. In Matthew 6 and 9, um, my father who art in heaven. In Isaiah 9 and 6, he's the everlasting father. In Colossians 1 and 15, who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus Christ is the image of that invisible God. And um, 1 Timothy three sixteen, that father was manifested in the flesh and came to this earth as Jesus Christ so that you could see him. In um, Matthew 10 and 20, my father which speaketh in you talking about the Holy Ghost, which is the Father that speaketh in you. He speaketh to us. Malachi 2 and 10, have we not one Father? John 10 and 30, I and my Father are one, knowing that when you've seen Jesus Christ, you've seen the Father. John 5 and 43, I come in my Father's name. No, my name and my Father's actually are the same, and give it to poor Billy. He's got the same too, but so I actually come in Basil. It's my father's name, Basil. It's so my grandfather's name is Basil. And, um, and then it goes back, Julius, Julius, and Edward, and then this guy, Alexander Robinson. And, but a name is passed down to the children. The name that I have now, because I've been born and I have a new father, is named Jesus. And um, so Jesus is my father, Matthew 28 and 18 says, baptize in the name of that father. So that's why I got baptized in my daddy's name. I got baptized in Jesus' name because that was the name. And um, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Isaiah 44 and 8 says, there is no God beside me. I don't know any. No, not any. James 2 and 19 says, the devils believe that there's one God and they tremble. So I just want to make it apparent for you to know that there's only one Father. One Father. Now, nobody has seen him other than when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he's the image of the invisible invisible God. So I say to you tonight, you say, well then how will I ever know him? Well, in Luke 2 and 48, uh, Jesus, first um, Mary and Joseph came back to look for him, and she was upset, and she said, Don't you know you and me and your father, or however your father and I, I don't politically get it right one way or the other, but one or the other one goes in front of the other. We've been looking for you. And he says, and I think if it's in 49, he says, I've been about my father's business, meaning that he came here to do his father's business. And um, so I, I bring that up to tell you this, that how you know him. If you're a visitor here tonight, or if you don't know him like I said that I know him tonight, and you're wondering, well, how will I know him? Well, I have some, some folks that uh, you may see him through. Pastor, Mike, Brother Frazier, each one, Bob. When you see these guys, you've seen the Father because we're sons of God. And if we're really portraying who the Father is, we'll look and act like him. And if we're practicing the true Christianity to be like Christ, we're going to look like him, we're going to act like him, we're going to talk like him, we're going to love like him. And uh, so you say, well, I don't know anybody like that. Then you need to get next to somebody. If you don't have a father, then you need to get next to one of us and let us mentor you or, or help you. Or, you know, I, I'm really busy. I have three kids that I'm just trying to fake them out and let them think that I'm a good dad. But I still have time, and other men in the church have time. And you know, we got carpenters. We got. I was thinking the other day of all the talented businessmen we have, and all of the people that we know, like and all the engineers and. And all the, the guys have did tremendous things in their life and, and uh, pastors and singers and ushers and all these people and, and we have a lot to offer. So I'm saying to you tonight that if you've never had a good father or you're wondering what a good father would be like, you need to get next to some of the men in the church. And you ladies, if we're called men of God, you know, when your driveway's got uh, snow in it, and you can't get out the door to go get it, you need to call one of us up. Hello? Got quite a kind in here. No amens in there. We're the sons of God. We're brothers. We're here to help you. And I just say, how will you ever get to know who the Father is unless we show him? Because once we show him, and you get to know him, you want to get baptized and then you receive him, and then you'll know him just like we know him. But in the store, in the checkout line, how are they ever going to know Christ unless you look like him? Say, you look like your dad. My wife, she always, she's, we were in the store in Sun Prairie one time, and I seen this lady, pastor, and she's behind me in the checkout line. And I looked at her, and I go, man. And she sometimes my brain doesn't work with my mouth. It just all flows. I'm like a little kid that just says things and then didn't just, I guess his hopes that it worked out. But anyways, I turned around and looked at the lady, and i was like, man, you look like Brooke. You must be Brooke's mom. And she's like, I am. Because she looked like her. And my wife, she's, she's pulling my arm. Shut up, shut up. I'm like, it looks like her. We were in a checkout line one time, and I went with, to uh, kindergarten with a girl, and I hadn't seen her since she was 18. And she was in the, in the checkout line, and I'm like, hey, are you Renee? And she said, yeah, I am. I said, I, I had you in kindergarten. My wife's like, how would you know her in kindergarten? You went to fancy school. Well, she was a cute girl, though, by the way. But you do know people by who, who, who their daddy is. You say, I know you because of your dad. And, and Brother Brown, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I, I just tell you about your son. Tonight, I was carrying some garbage out to the dumpster, and he ran all the way across the parking lot out in the cold, and he's not physically fit like me. He doesn't have all the package I got on. And he came and grabbed the bags and helped me go throw them in a the dumpster. And I was walking back into church, and I was thinking, he's a lot like his father. Who's your daddy? Who is your daddy? And, um, and if you're wondering who your daddy is, how about what do you want your son to be like? Who do you want him to think His dad is. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because tonight, before I close, now I'm using dad, but this could be mom in the same picture. Remember, the story, I don't have time to teach it all, but the story goes like this, like we're supposed to represent Christ and the ladies are supposed to represent the church. So basically, what are your moms like? What are your dads like? And we're a representation of the family that we come from. Therefore, when we get to heaven, we get an inheritance. I can't wait for the inheritance. You wouldn't believe how many things that God has given us here that if we're not careful, we use it in all the wrong ways. And we think, I mean, like this kid up here tonight singing his songs, man. He's that kid, I just tell you. He's a singer. Today I was sitting here praying and he was practicing that song and I just working him over back and forth. And the scripture says when um, hang on. when Saul would get really upset and bad guy, David would come in and play and evil spirits would leave. And uh, I really felt like tonight I wanted to have a good message. So I kind of... um just worked him into coming in and play for me while I pray. And, uh, I just love to hear him play so I can, but could you imagine, now I think God has gifted him, but could you imagine him being used out in this world for some foolishness as some honky-tonk playing, um, those songs that you sing, uh, Karaoke, working for somebody else's dad. But he's in here tonight singing for his dad and while I'm loving my dad. And uh, so think of all the talents and abilities that we got, that if we're not careful, we give it to that ugly father of lies out there. He lies to us, and he tells us, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, let me just think of something that he's told me. Uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know. He, he, he lies all the time, so I, I'm trying to think. Several of them, you know, he tells you what you're going to be, and all these things. <laughs> he gets you all convinced, gets you all wrapped into things, and you're like, what am I doing? You know? And I'm old enough to know that what was once up falls down. You know, gravity and He'll tell you that you're always going to be the most beautiful woman in the world and, and, and time takes, it takes time. Now, I don't want to get in trouble because I'm a man, but I've been old enough to know that what I used to think was beauty, it doesn't even compare to the beauty of a real lady that lives for God. And what I once thought was big time out in the world there's nothing compared to what I know now, you know. And uh, so, anyways, don't shake my hand because I've been sniffling all over it. So <laughs> the other day I thought if I ever do this as something that I'm supposed to be doing, I should get myself a, a napkin or something, one of those things. So if I was you, i sanitize this when I'm done. So, in closing, uh, if, if this guy ever gives me some money, you know, like I said, I'm going to give 50% of it to the church, so I hope he gives me, like, a lot, (laughs) and, uh, I mean, what would it be like to have some money, you know? It would be awesome. Um. but what a deal so why don't you pray about that Lord give basil an inheritance from that guy and uh, maybe I'll take you fishing or something on a big boat But I really seen what greed will do to you when I watch my family you know do these goofy things now The thing that interested me is that guy, the things he did. First of all, the guy he saved, John Kinsey, was the first white guy in Chicago. You know how many people are in Chicago? He was the first white citizen in Chicago, John Kinsey, the guy he saved. I'd say that's pretty amazing. And the guy he saved, the guy's granddaughter, was the one that started uh, Girl Scouts. His, His granddaughter of the guy that He saved. And he could go on and on and on. I'm sure if I studied long enough, I would find all kinds of things. But the the cool thing is, is those are the things that interest me, is like, what did the guy actually do with his life? Not what can I get from this guy. And tonight, you could think about people that were once in this church that are now gone on to meet the Lord, and you could think, man, what did they do with their life? And, um, I just want to close with this. I want you to stand so you think I'm telling the truth. I always tell this story because uh, there's two people in Appleton um, that got old on me. And uh, yeah, one time I went to the one's house and she was a she was an older lady, but you know, anyways, I went to her house and I knocked on the door and she opened the door and I was like. I didn't know she didn't have any hair. She always wore a wig. I didn't know it. It This about scared me half to death. And uh, she was always in pain. I mean, always in pain, always hurting, but always showing up to everything. If you had a clean day, she was there. If you had a going to visit people thing, she was there. If you had a cooking out day, she was making the food. The lady was always there. And if I told you the story, I apologize. I, I purpose in my heart, it's like that lady in the Bible. I'm going to tell it every chance I get. But she came from the back of the church on this side in Appleton. And she came walking up this side. And my wife and I were over there where Nathan is. And I looked at her. And in my heart, I said, I was mad. I'm like, would you just sit down? We'll come back there and pray for you. What is wrong with you? You know, she's just and she's just painful and hurting and why why come up here i mean i mean i mean i was only like 27 years old but in my mind i was thinking what's the point instantly god put me in a trance and I actually seen a vision and as god is my witness this is what i seen all of a sudden i seen this huge blonde-haired man and he had a big thick rope on his shoulder and he was dragging it like this so all of a sudden, I didn't see her anymore. Now i seen this big guy dragging this rope. And behind her was all these people in the church who were grabbing a hold of this rope. And she was bringing them up to the altar. And he said, in the spirit world, you don't worry about what you see. You let me take care of what I see. And boy, I started crying. And I ran up to the altar. And now she's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, she gave me her Bible when she died. And um, she put in her uh, will, or whatever they do. She actually wrote this in there. She said, I can't think of her grandson's name. Can you, Jeanette? What is it? Uh, I think it's James. No, not James, the other one. Rick, Rick Autry. And she said, uh, I want to make sure that Basil speaks for me so Rick don't mess it up. I like that. It was good for me, bad for Rick. But anyways, I got to get up and talk about her and the things about her and and you know why? Boy, she represented the church to me. What a beautiful woman! And when I get to see her on the other side, oh man, I got stories to tell her. And then just one more. There was this old guy, and he was he would he always sang like Sinatra. The guy was he was his name was Gene, and I I love this guy. I I can tell you. Oh, I love him. Just thinking about him right now it makes me laugh. I just love him so much. And his glasses were that thick. I don't think he'd give any thicker glasses. And he was always an usher at the door. And and um, he was a tall, thin man. And he would reach his hand out to shake my hand. And, of course, I was a young man, so I knew where his hand was, so I would just move mine a little bit. And he'd fish over there for it, and then I'd move up here a little bit. And then, and then after a little while, I'd go ahead and shake it and let him never know that he didn't know where my hand was at, you know. And, um... Boy, kids will do mean things. But man, would I love to hear him sing those songs. And so I brought some of the songs up here. Now, we're not going to sing them. I'm not going to do this to Becky, but In the Sweet By and By, It's Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, And um, There'll Be No More Sorrow, I don't don't even know that one. This is my story. This is my song. Blessed assurance. Softly and tenderly. Oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Standing on the promises. I know that one. I can sing that to you. Just over in the glory land. That's where he is right now. And, you know, so I just tell you tonight. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And if you don't know Jesus like I know Jesus, you need to come to the altar tonight and just just cry out and say, God, I am so tired of being sad or hurt or mistreated or or whatever you're feeling like. Like I said, I, I don't know what it's like to have a bad dad. And I'm sure there's people in here that have had a bad dad. And um maybe the Lord will work his way for you to talk to him And I never did drugs so I don't know anything about drugs people talk to me about drugs I'm like what But t- people talk to me about alcohol I'm like oh dude I know exactly where you're at I think I still got the bumps and bruises to prove it but tonight if you really want to know dad or if you haven't talked to him for a while why don't you come on up and if your dad is here man you ought to be hugging him already Tell him how much you love him, how thankful you are. And if your dad has already gone and met the Lord, why don't you just raise your hands and just say, God, I'm so thankful I had a dad that loved me. Amen. So let's tonight, why don't we just come to the altar and just think about who your dad is. And if this is the dad of that ugly world, let's get rid of him and get you a new dad. Amen. So altar's open. Heavenly
1: Father,